information on the world of uh, motorsport, professional motorsport, social motorsport, cool technology, gadgets, emerging uh, bits and pieces, and barbecues. Got a bit of an interesting uh, lineup of people here today. Starting off on my fire side, I've got Kate Green, who's here having a nice glass of white wine in the corner and not saying a lot, but she's uh, definitely a lot better looking than the rest of the, the yeah, blokes on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Moving around, we've got the uh, the the legend himself, the fat bastard from Fat Bastard Racing, Duncan McKenzie. Hello, Thank Duncan. Thank you very much. Thank you, and welcome to you all. I'm sure we'll get to you at, uh, talking about old Ferraris later in the show, as you as you do, or take over from the barbecue when I screw up. <laughs> Moving right along, Simon Wills from Team Dynamic, and uh, recently joined up with Charlie Kovacs to win the V8 Ute International at Manfield, New Zealand, the weekend before last. Yes, pretty happy to be here. I didn't think I was going to make it through the Ute weekend, so it's very good. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good to have you along. Glad you made it in this sunny, fine afternoon. And also, uh, out of the blue, uh, Gary Baxter from uh, Track School and also who races the, the Sage Automation Ute. Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, I was just wondering why you call them viewers when they can't see us. Well, listeners. Paul Hogan said the same, you know. It's, made, it's, just, it's one of those things, it's okay. viewers. Yeah. Well, we well, call them viewers, just to keep people on their toes in case we do a TV show one day. In case it goes to TV. Well, they go, where is that? Is there a TV show? Where is that script anyway? Yeah, that's right. Oh, then there's no need to introduce that last voice. That'll be Charlie Kovacs. Do you know what a lovely day it is in South Australia? Um, it's um, some ungodly hour in the afternoon and uh, the sun's still out and it's a beautiful day. So it's always a pleasure being here with you and uh, talking to your viewers. Well, congratulations to you, Charlie and Simon, for taking out that uh, inaugural event in New Zealand. Uh, it was absolutely wonderful. And also to, to Gary for coming along and making it a real professional show. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was uh, difficult to come along knowing that Charlie and Simon were going to be here and, and not have to be humbled in their presence. But uh, no, it's um, uh, good to be here. <laughs> Look, uh, I've got the recording before you arrive, so we'll, we'll just put that in later. <laughs> anyway, before we start, what are we all having to drink? Uh, Kate, what are you having? Just a white wine. Just a nice little glass of crisp South Australian white wine. Dunk? Uh, I will always and always be a uh, Melbourne bitter man. Yes, very good. Oh, I'm into the water. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That comes yeah. with Jim Beam can. Comes with Jim Beam can. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> well, viewers, I will say that uh, in New Zealand, uh, I did have to cheat to, to try to beat Simon at a, um, a trivia night where it came down to sculling a beer, but, uh, you know... It was just a little, I, you know, I think I must have fluffed it on the ground. Talk about a jump start. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of drive-through. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, what are you up to, mate? I've got the, uh, the Heineken Lager. Um, that's uh, about to uh, about to attack. And uh, Charlie, you've got. Oh, a... mate, it's uh, it's just great. Um, some nice local 
Buck. It's, uh, it's red in colour as, uh, as a business name, and uh, the parade sellers uh, owe to Cab Merlot um, from, uh, from the local region. It is. In fact, the, the, the guy, uh, John uh, Mullen, who owns uh, uh, parade sellers up there, has, has chucked a yep. few in, and I've got some, 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 some goss on that wine, because it's actually, you know, apart from it being relatively cheap, it's actually very good and, uh, and well-known well -known supplier. Can't ask for much better than that. Well, boys, it was a really good uh, event over there in, in New Zealand, and I think uh, we've really, you know, looking at the press over the last couple of weeks, the um, the V8 Ute series is certainly benefiting from this, and uh, just some other people are even starting to take in, interest back down into the category. Uh, noticeably, uh, Glenn Seaton looks like he's trying to buy one of Alan Grice's Utes. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's true. It, it is a true feeder category, isn't it, the V8 supercars into the Utes? Yeah, that, that's a, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm having a Coopers, by the way. See you, Glenn. I think that's uh, that's true. I, uh, there's a lot of supercar drivers that um, that are uh, slipping back into the Utes just to uh, see if they can hold their profile. Yeah. Uh, because it, it still keeps them in the in the um, in the media, I suppose, and uh, um, it's uh, it's a good thing for them to. It's certainly very challenging and very competitive, and they can. Uh, have a bit of racing and still keep their name up there and, and wait for the, the next drive to come well, along. Well, it just goes to reinstate the fact that the that, that Utes are... You wouldn't have thought of, thought of them as a, as a feeder series um, um, for development or, or supercars, but we are high-profile. High we do get the exposure. We do put on entertainment. This is what the crowd is looking for. So to step back into the Utes and uh, to maintain your profile or or raise your profile, is, uh, there's nothing wrong with it because that's where it's going to come from. It's going to come from the Utes. There's nothing else that's going to be out there to put on a show that we put on. Mm. No, that's true. And, and certainly the people love the Utes and, and you hear it all the time, particularly at the big events, um, Clipsal and um, um, Indy and so forth, where the supercars, I mean, they're pretty special, there's no doubt about that, but the races are really long and uh, they do get a bit boring. Mm. I mean, you always watch the first couple of laps and always watch the last couple of laps, but... In between, you know, you go off and have a beer and so forth and do whatever. Um, where the Utes is, is a fairly short race, so it's full on, it's action from from woe to go, and um, people love them. So even though they're uh, nowhere near as exciting to drive as what a supercar is, from the entertainment mm. value, they're uh, they're great to watch. And as you know, Charlie, they're um, they're not easy to drive and be at the front. Yeah, I quite agree with you. It's uh, just bloody hard work. Um, you know, you've been there and I've been there on, on numerous occasions and it's just bloody hard work to try and get there. Once you've got there, it sort of becomes a little bit easier for that particular event, but, but uh, to try and get there in the first place is just damn hard work. You've got to make sure you, you do all your numbers, you do all, the, do all the sums properly and make sure you've got a damn good car and, and your head's right. What did you think, Simon, coming back from the supercars to the Utes? Uh, obviously, it, it, it looks like it's probably a bit more of a pleasurable experience for me, for you, other than... I'm not taking that away from supercars, it, it's it's the big the big ticket in this country. But uh, was it? Did you have fun? Yeah, I absolutely loved uh, racing the Ute. It's um, I suppose as a supercar driver, it's like going back to a racing series. Where in the supercars, it's more a business series. And uh, that, uh, if you got a lot of money, you seem to go well. It's sort of like Formula One these days. So if you don't have the budget behind you, it's not really enjoyable. Where you can jump back into a Ute and everybody's on an even keel, and you can go out and race like the good old days you remember when you were younger yep. and you got yep. a pretty even playing field uh, so it sort of it takes you back to what you really enjoyed the sport for and um, yeah that was a great thing for me 
I think a lot of the teams would probably be sort of having a think to themselves that you know the, the spiraling costs and we, you know everyone mm. sort of knows mm. that this mm. has been an issue for a while but suddenly going you know I really just want to get back to the fun of it and I can't help uh, remembering what uh, Jason Richards your co-driver Gary in New Zealand had said I've really been enjoying my motorsport for the last six months now he's, he's, he's got a, a new team that's sort of that seems to be sort of um, even gelling with and he's got the results there with a, a nice second at uh, um, in New Zealand but uh, maybe it's just a case of you get the results when you stand back and you start to enjoy it a bit like you because uh, Charlie you, you're not long no longer you've relinquished your job as a board on the board <laughs> member so suddenly you're getting results in the youth maybe well, it's all about that there is a fair bit of pressure I suggest on and I was going to ask Gary before what Jason's perspective of the youth meeting was and where Jason's head was on that weekend and what his thoughts about youth racing were going to be but at the end of the day if you if you're enjoying it and it's all going well anyone can enjoy their motorsport and you know Jason's enjoying it and Murph's was having a good time he's not having a good time so it just depends on how you're traveling um, uh, obviously if you've got the backing and the support behind you and the money to, for the, the team's got the money you are going to do well and because you are doing well you enjoy it and the pressure's off but from my perspective yes all i've got to do worry about now is is just turning up for the weekend having a great time and let's go racing and do the best i can there's not i didn't think that i was i've been distracted by by numerous meetings throughout the weekend and trying to catch up with sponsors and trying to catch up with board members and various other bits and pieces but but New Zealand sort of sure showed me that uh, that I um, I can have a I'm having a great time and there was no pressure and no drama so maybe I was being a bit distracted and, and I, I enjoy my racing on a whole lot more now than I did probably did before and I can concentrate on on my crew and family and friends who come along and, and my racing you know and uh, and not worry about bullshit and, and stuff that's going on around you. If we look back last year, um, uh, we had a, uh, an international in the series, Alan Simonson, and uh, I did a bit of maths and realised that he was probably the, had more track time than any other racing car driver in Australia, mm. simply because supercar drivers are so heavily contracted to, to their commercial res responsibilities that they really can't get out and do very much else because there's there's a bit of a, a hindrance there whereas Alan had managed to do a couple of couple of roles in with the Autobahn team had spent uh, time in the Utes for, for Coopers they've been overseas doing British GT and the Le Mans Endurance Series and one this and one and, that and, and one that and <laughs> you know we, 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 we've been yeah, through before, before yeah. maybe um, the Ute category would be seen as a you know it's an excellent way of being able to get a little bit of extra track time for, other, for drivers in the supercar series there's no reason why you really couldn't be able to, to do a, a Ute program you know as, uh, yeah, as well but as the I, supercar I, yeah, well, I think you probably from Simon, no, I'm ask Simon later on, but you're stepping from a supercar to step back into a youth like it's, jeez, I'm, I'm, I'm really... Oh, no, I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting but you even, step even back. I'm just saying... Maintain your profile. Yeah, oh, for sure. But track yeah. time is everything Oh, track as well. time, yes, yeah. And with the limited test days, you surely, you know, if there's an added advantage to being able to get in a youth on the on the Thursday at, at Clipsal and cruise around... Mm, I, don't, I don't think there's any comparison, unfortunately, because the setup for the Ute and, and, the, and the mindset for the drivers when they're driving supercars or, or the Utes is a whole lot different. I don't believe that it's going to be of any event, apart from not putting out where the corners are. Gary, what do yeah, you think? Yeah, no, there's no way that supercar teams would allow their top drivers to race another category at the same meeting. Uh, I think it'd be too much of a distraction. Um, Simon would definitely um, be able to confirm confirm that but I, I think that would be the case I, I couldn't see someone like um, um, 
Craig Lowndes or, or Mark Scaife jumping into no. another category while they're trying to concentrate on winning, you know, a, a very important, very expensive series. But um, nonetheless, there would be nothing stopping them racing Utes a different weekend. And so uh, I think I think Simon and uh, Jason Richards proved that um, you know those supercar drivers are really a notch above us, and uh, I didn't think so. I must say. Um, I thought that, I thought that uh, Charlie and I, I, I thought Charlie and I were um, were as, as good as it gets, and, and until Simon and Jason came along and, and sort of proved me wrong because um, head's starting to swell now. I was watching, I was watching, well, <laughs> because, we're watching the lap times with uh, which are Gary and me, and you know, I, did, I didn't start off too well, but we got our numbers down nicely, and uh, we, we were doing okay. And all of a sudden, buddy Jason pulled one out of the bag and blew, didn't blow Gary away, and Simon pulled one out of the bag and and put me back. So it's Gary and I playing catch up with yeah. our buddy, uh, with our co-drivers. So it was well, really, really interesting. It was well, obviously, yeah, all our stories are a bit different. But um, uh, like in our case, we we went out on the Thursday practice and and uh, oh, Jason and I put it put it yeah. put it straight on top. Yeah, of bloody you know, the two the two super cheap drivers were the first <laughs> fastest two drivers, and I thought, well, how good's this? Yeah. And we're going to the TAB, put a couple of grand on. We're still <laughs> we're still five to one. You know, I I couldn't believe that. Um, but you've so, given them better odds, Duncan. Uh, well, it comes down to uh, electricians, plumbers, chippies, and brickies, <laughs> all having a their own thing, their own watching. They've all got utes, and uh, it makes it different from having a HSV or a Malu or a SS. No, no, Utes are two-door sports cars. You think Ferrari? <laughs> That's the way it You think be. Ferrari is two-door sports car? Well, the Utes are the new, well, are the, the, the new two-door sports. It's car. important to qualify this for Simon that this is not the Ute show. We just <laughs> have a kind of confused Ute drivers on, and it's just you're all living in Adelaide, so it's sort of this Adelaide show. But I think it's important that we um, we talk, let the viewers know, because the public's memory uh, and the viewers' memory is actually very, very small. Like people don't remember very far back at all. Um, it's important to know that Simon came out of an open wheel category, uh, open wheeler category, um, and uh, I think you won the gold star. Is that right? Yeah, I won a couple of Australian gold stars, a couple of New Zealand gold stars, and a few other single-seater championships on the way, even over in Europe. So, yeah, did plenty of open wheel racing. Just unfortunately, couldn't progress. So, um, just because of budget again. Not your weight. <laughs> no, I was definitely quite skinny back then, but now, Is he now I'm call driving up a big old saloon car, it's all good. You don't mean you're ready for the fat bastard racing, are you? <laughs> I'm aspiring to that. Yeah. Aspiring to I'm that. I finally no. got to meet the guy, I'm going to see if I can have a go. <laughs> well, I, I noticed nudge, that there's, there's still a few lap records held around Australia that uh, that you have uh, managed to, to set in the, in a Raynard 94D, I think. Yeah, they're still there. Yeah, yeah and... You know, I, I suppose that category has uh, has disappeared a little bit, but uh, yeah. we've seen plenty of the top drivers in Australia go overseas and not be able to make any headway in that yeah. category as yeah, well. Exactly. Um, you know, people probably don't realise. You know, you came out on top in the in the and uh, and and then you uh, ended up. Um, Joining John Bauer in the cat team at, yes, uh, at Bathurst, yep. there wasn't your fault that JB over uh, missed the pit lane. Uh, <laughs> and and um, gave me a bloody drive and also got, yeah, <laughs> It wasn't your fault you did a faster time, but anyway, JB's a good bloke. Yeah. I've got his race suit out the front. You can put that on in a minute. I'll come and get it for you because I know the, I know you like that. But um, but then you, you 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 know you won the Queensland the Queensland 500 with David Bernard and and mm -hmm. that's people just forget this sort of stuff. I reckon and and I. 
I just have to say it, I reckon the press give you a bum rap. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not one of those sort of guys that go out there and really push my own buttons to everybody and all that sort of thing. I just, I'm more into the competitive side of sport and just try and do the best I can on my own. And uh, I've got plenty of results in the past for doing that. Um, you know, I'm not in the sport to sort of try and big note myself. And I suppose in a way you really got to do that these days, but it's just not my nature. It's not how I've been brought up. And as long as I'm enjoying the sport and I'm getting the most out of what I can do, I'm, I'm loving it. Today the sport is very much about branding and, and it's what we can see from uh, Auto Fiction and, and Motorsport News which is out today. They will want to tell, and God love them, you know, I'm happy to pay my $11 and read it and <laughs> re-guts the story. You know, like, but at the end of the day, like this is, there's a lot of factually incorrect sort of stuff within this and we all know oh, that. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I've had plenty of things been misquoted and... I've had all sorts of things, like I had an operation, I think, uh, towards the end of last year, which I don't, I still don't even know about. I've never had an operation, but they've been quoted in the press saying that I've got all these problems with my fingers. <laughs> Oh well, yeah. But they got to fill up. Right the, they got to yeah. fill up the columns somehow, and <laughs> you know it's, it's it's interesting to you know just one one item here is just like a, a you know a, a, a what is it Bridie's over driving the Aston Martin a DB9 <laughs> you know for pro driving. I thought oh that's a bit interesting. So oh no the the team boss was impressed with him you know from his efforts. Well it wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that Brabs is driving the Panos and that they didn't offer him enough money to drive that car. Mm, that's why he's out of it. It just happened to turn it around you know, that Bridie's in the car. Yeah. But like that's all good. Um, but, you know, most people aren't on in, in the know, I suppose. <laughs> and hence the, uh, the, the magazine uh, go forward. But, yeah, just generally speaking, mate, I reckon you've been getting a bum rap. Well, he's been running underneath the radar for so bloody long now, it's just not funny. It. <coughs> the blog deserves... We, we just spent so much time together, it's been fantastic, and I've got a, a, a different light on, uh, on Simon. You know, he just goes along and does his job. Doesn't yell and scream and carry on, and doesn't, you know, throw the rattle out of bed, and... <coughs> doesn't get the publicity that he deserves because uh, maybe you know, he doesn't, uh, he's not a high profile like he probably should be, but check his times. Anybody he runs with over the years that he's run, he's obviously been as quick if not faster. He's done the job and it's always been there. So it's not really hard to work out who you should put in the car. Well, I was pretty impressed with watching Simon last year. We, our ute race was finished, and I certainly finished on lap one when I blew the diff, but um, I was up in the corporate box um, having a lemonade or two and, um, and watching the supercars, and, uh, and I watched uh, Simon unlap himself past Ambrose, the leader, yeah. overtook him and pulled away, and I thought, shit, that's, that's pretty impressive. No, not many people would have seen it, but obviously being a South Australian, he's obviously an adopted South Australian, but we'll, we'll no, consider we'll, him we'll a South claim, Australian. We'll claim him. <laughs> and, uh, so, so I was keeping a bit of an eye on him and seeing how he's going, and um, and to to pass Ambrose and, and unlap himself was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah true. I can see that uh, Google, with its uh, venture into China to try to make the internet information smaller and less, oh. less, less available for people, has also been playing, um, uh, uh, playing havoc with the motorsport fraternity because a quick search on Simon Wills on Google turns up at the top an eminent freelance trombonist and composer in London. That's something else we didn't know about you, Simon. Yeah, we're right. right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> sure in retirement. <laughs> under the radar. That was well under the radar, that one. Yeah. But don't you worry, because you get a toothy grin with a moustache combo you can't jump over. Now, Gary, I didn't do one for you. but well, uh, I'll tell you who I am. <laughs> I, I'm a, uh, um, a baseball player in America. Is that right? If you, put, you put Gary Baxter in there. 
Sounds a bit better than a true bonus. Yeah, really. Good <laughs> yeah. Well I'm an injured, injured baseball player. Oh, injured yeah. baseball player. Yeah. So I haven't seen you on ESPN. <clears> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Five dollar yearism? Yeah, something like that. Give it a take. Somewhere on offshore. Yeah, very offshore. That's where I haven't seen it. Down where the oil Where's the Cayman Islands? Island. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did come in with your, with your baseball cap on backwards. Anyway. And the right team, too, I must say. Just put that again. <laughs> the, oh, the viewers. Oh, no, for the viewers, yes. <laughs> it's a port power hat, just in case we don't know, yes. <laughs> um, last week we, we looked at uh, um, Larry Perkins' new team, Breaking Cover, and, and Jack Daniels getting on board and being the first alcohol sponsor in supercars. I mean, I think that this is a huge leap forward for the sport because what's happening is that the, the sport is getting involved around a branding exercise and, and everyone is becoming brand ambassadors. And to, to that end, that uh, Larry is apparently going to actually put a sign on his workshop to say that Larry Perkins, or Larry lives here. Larry lives here. Yeah, oh, old, old number 7A. Beautiful. And um, and they're going to like have a, a corporate hospitality sort of suite and they're actually going to get people out there. I oh, suppose no, there's no, going to be a lot more drunks at, <laughs> no, at, no at, booze. <laughs> at the racetrack. And um, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's only good for the sport because I think, as we said last week, he has had a very, very long-term relationship with Castrol. Um, and maybe HRT has had that same sort of relationship with mobile, but it has been, they are industry brands. And so for us to move outside the industry and get brands, um, you know, which everybody, everybody's interested in, can only be good for, good for us all. So I've been bringing it on with everyone's when you're watching what's going on there. No, great thing. And I, if you're going to be a little bit sceptical, you'd probably assume that, that some of the dollars are coming back in supercars. <coughs> and we need to start finding some supplementary income or some new income because everyone's suffering a little bit uh, with uh, the sponsorship dollars and uh, this might have been an alternative to his current situation or last year's situation you don't if you've got good sponsors on board now you don't go and dump them for no apparent reason why do you unless uh, unless jack daniels has come on jody has come on with uh, a shitload more money i don't know what's your thoughts getting uh, well, I don't really know much about it, but I, I figured that uh, Castro had pulled out. Yeah, is, yeah, is that yeah. the case? I, that's well, what I thought. The, I... the significance is that it's a non-automotive brand, and you've had some exposure, Simon, with non-automotive brands. Um, but what it's, doing, what, what it's done, John, is replacing cigarettes. You know, tobacco sponsors, you know, that, that left a huge hole in motorsport. You know, B&H and, and all of those, that, that really was a... Well, not even just motorsport, just in cricket as well. That yeah. pulling out tobacco sponsorship left a huge hole. So, uh, I think uh, alcohol's um, a lot better for you than cigarettes, Charlie. And uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm butting my cigarette out. Thanks a lot, Gary. <laughs> and that was the reason viewers why the New Zealand international start was delayed 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, that, I think that's great to. Uh, um, for Jack Daniels to get in, and yeah, um, yeah. and I hope Jim Beam come on board with us. What a great idea! So Simon, he's actually cutting his grass already. He's got a Jim He's my mate, Jim. I seem to get along with him really well at night time. So. Well, Jody has been involved in with uh, with um, Top Fuel, Top uh, Fuel, and, and, and uh, rather the Top Door Slammer. 
on track and uh, the drag racing scene as well. So obviously their their involvement into uh, into supercars is probably a natural progression for them. They they worked out they've got a good exposure and good good time from uh, from the on track stuff. They're getting great stuff from uh, from Brett in the bloody drags and the, and the cars and the bikes. So um, maybe supercars maybe uh, supercars is the way to go as well. So. Uh, They've obviously got some money to uh, to spend, and uh, and good luck to them. Yeah, oh, it's working. It's brilliant. working for them, you know. Obviously, uh, Craig Gore thinks WPS is working for him, which obviously it must be. Otherwise, he wouldn't be pumping a dough into it. So, it's getting to the point where John says brand exposure. You know, You've got a brand, let's sell it. A, lo a lot of people are going to be watching. A lot of corporates <coughs> are going to be watching how this goes. Yeah, how, how it is seen. That that's probably what I'm trying to get to. Um, and if they look like they're getting good returns in terms of you know exposure and brand awareness, then they're going to come in droves. This yeah. is a toe in the water because you know <coughs> everyone's been doing AFL for a while and they need something else. I'm and actually I've got a question for Duncan. I'm thinking, well, you stick your Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, so forth on NVB on a Commodore. What would you stick on a Ferrari or a Lamborghini? Uh, probably CC and drive. <laughs> Galliano. <laughs> Galliano, yeah. <laughs> I like that, yeah. Well, it, it, it would beat uh, some crane company that they use in the top fuelers, wouldn't it? Oh, Santos. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Santo, Santo Cranes. Santo Cranes. Yeah. There's another one as well. Romeo, Romeo Capitania. Now, what about uh, the bugs out of Mildura with uh, the carrots? Um, the carrots? Yeah. Um, carrots? Yeah, the Morgan team or saying is it Morgan? So I'd, I'd rather a CC than a crane company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the no southern offense. hemisphere, in the north, it'd be Pims and lemonade. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes, overseas, yes. it might be um, something completely different, but why not? Anyway, let's hope that all goes good for everybody. Simon, um, got any um, anything you can tell us about what you might be up to this year? I know it's a uh, pretty um, open at this stage. Uh, we were hoping to have a budget together to run a car in the championship, but um, it looks like that hasn't been able to eventuate. So I'm going to be sitting on the sidelines. I've rung up a few teams about doing the Enduros, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see what falls in place there. Um, a few of the teams have already got their lineups uh, secured, but um, yeah, we'll just have to hope and see. Uh, we're, but we're working to, towards trying to do the main series again next year. Uh, there's a couple of franchises available, and uh, we just need to work on getting a bit of a budget together. It's, you know, like seeing someone like Jack Daniels come into the sport is good because it's, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it is, uh, I suppose, a bit of a catalyst for us to go out and try other uh, avenues as well now because um, some of the budgets are just getting way out of hand. You know, it's millions yeah. and millions of dollars each year just to run a couple of cars. And, you know, we go out and we try and find two or three million dollars to run for a year and it's still not enough to compete near the front of the grid. And, um, in one we, car? Yeah, uh, no, for two cars. Two cars. Yeah, for two cars, but, you know, still you'd only be looking at running around sort of midfield with that sort of budget. So, uh, it's like, for instance, our wage bill, uh, that was $1.1 million just to try and keep, you know, the cars on the track with all our similar, mechanics and all that. that was, really. Yeah. Whatever yeah. happened to the love? <laughs> do it. Volunteers, give us a bit of an idea while you're, while you're talking about budgets. Let's go about, back to the 60s. About what some of the, some of the top to top 10 teams might be running as a budget? Well, we know we had one of the team managers come up to us and he said he's on uh, $5 million a car for his two cars, so it's $10 million plus he's got a few extra perks, like for instance his drivers are contracted to a manufacturer, so they pay for the driver's contract, oh, so right. yeah, that's another expense gone out the door and some of those drivers are getting a lot of money. Yeah. So you know, when they're on over $10 million a year, you know, 
how are you going to compete and we don't yeah. have manufacturer support or anything uh, so to try and get the sponsors uh, it's quite hard the manufacturer seems to uh, be able to lure some of the larger sponsors and um, you know we've had a couple of instances where you know we've been talking to somebody but it's ended up on a high profile team is in yeah. a smaller way yeah. uh, just because they're always seen in the press they sell more models with their logos on it everything yeah. all sorts of things like that and yeah. we end up missing out so. what, do you, what do you do with 10 million dollars a year apart from buying toys like helicopters and planes <laughs> and fucking boats and uh, excuse me boats and stuff like that for the for the drivers what do you do with 10 million dollars a year oh, before Simon goes into that <laughs> I already speaking you're right out of line <laughs> <laughs> because what you forget is that there's a lot of money that uh, it goes into just getting humans to hotels, pay their food bill, oh, petrol in transport, just getting them logistically yes, I all agree. the way. Oh, mate, I yes, agree. So, yeah, and what would we be doing with boats here? Yeah, but so? come on, when uh, when uh, company A, who's, oh, who's spending three or four million dollars <laughs> a year, decides, where's my money going? Is that why all the teams are Queensland? <laughs> and, uh, and they go out on, uh, on somebody's boat to uh, have a nice fishing trip and they go to somebody's bloody penthouse apartment for a nice night out and they go to someone's restaurant for another bloody great day out. Where's the money going? Let's put it back into racing where it bloody well should be, possibly, if it's been uh, somewhat... The thing is, Charlie, we're only jealous. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes we are, yes we are. I'm but quite happy for someone to take me out on their boat and to fancy restaurants and stuff. I've got no no, your, your boat, or your penthouse, or yeah, your, well, or your right. restaurant, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It just seems that's how the deals are done these days, yeah, and you know, yeah, just got to keep the sponsors happy by actually wooing them and yeah, yeah. You know, keep rubbing them on the back and saying, you know, isn't this great? Yeah, so yeah. Same old saying, you know, yeah. you, you can't get a meeting in the office, but, um, you, but uh, you can get a meeting on the golf course. Yeah, and that's yeah. where all the sort of the deals are done. Yeah, yeah restaurants are a lot better than golf course. <laughs> Haven't we got some good restaurants down here? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I have to say that, um, and you've okay. probably all been there, but last week I, um, I went to, to lunch at Urban Bistro down on, on Fullerton Road there, where oh, you can yeah. uh, see the racetrack right out the window there. And I have to say that is just... One of the most deluxe restaurants I've ever seen. Have you got a table there for the Clips logo? You know, it's funny you funny say, you say that. that. Oh, well it. done. I've got <laughs> tables for 10 every night of Clips on the Clips logo. And also, I've got to do lunch with you. And also, <laughs> <at> the <Chianti. laughs> So, there's spare tables for Well, well let me tell you, um, if you go to Chianti. Thanks, Kate. Uh, thanks, for that. I'm paying. That's what you're telling uh, me. <laughs> at, um, at Sage, Sage actually have an account at. Uh, at every meeting, whatever, Sorry, it's, whatever it's for. <laughs> well, so does just about every motor racer in uh, in town. Michael Brock and, mm. and Glenn Cooper. Michael Brock's got a spot in there too. Next yeah. week, he's not taking me there. He's taking me for coffee. He's Michael Brock's taking me for coffee. On, uh, that's, on, that's, on Port Road. Yeah. Oh, Michael says he's retired. What's going on? Well, I got a man everyone with him and he's not buying me lunch, so Michael, that's obviously something. Michael's scared to tell over himself at um, at um, Mount Buller Springs a little while ago, so. But he, yeah, he had a waddle around last year. Yeah, he did. Yes, yeah. Do yeah. you think he did? Okay, yeah, well, I mean, we were there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> not that we want to remind you. We're not going to do lunch. A bit of green paint on the <laughs> <laughs> No, he's alright. But uh, maybe that maybe just needs a bit of a refresher, mate, and just gets his confidence back online. Yeah, true. How is track school going for you, Gary? Um, my phone's vibrating at the moment, and um, anyway, yeah, that, it's. Uh, <laughs> I was just 
work out what the funny sensation was. Um, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, I've actually been... <laughs> it's Valentine's Day yesterday, so it hasn't been that long at all. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll move along pretty quickly here. And, um, you get lucky on the track, mate. <laughs> and where was I? And, uh, no, actually, I was out, the, out at Mullar all day today and um, doing, uh, doing our tracks racing courses and, and what we do... Uh, at the lunch break is I take people for hot laps in the ute and um, so ka-ching, ka-ching. yeah <laughs> besides that so so I actually totally missed out on lunch and um, sat in the passenger side of our Commodore Cup cars all morning and then did 50 laps in the ute at lunchtime and then straight back in the sure. Commodore Cup cars for the two races that we have so and then flew down here because this is obviously very high profile um, oh, yeah, event for sure um, yeah exactly so gotta, gotta I couldn't, couldn't miss that and um, piss up in a bar, barbecue. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, to answer, answer your question. Uh, yeah, no, it's going going really well, and um, and I've bought this uh, new Ute, and we've done it up um, as a as a, a V8 Ute type thing. The only difference is that it doesn't have the horsepower disadvantage. So it's, it's all the suspension and brakes are exactly the same. Tires just has a lot more power. It's a lot nicer to drive. Like it, it's just. Like the poor old Holdens this year, we were just so uh, last year, sorry, we were just so handicapped with um, with revs, and and you, and I don't want to get onto another story, but uh, it's really hard to drive a car that uh, that won't rev. You know, when the rev limiter comes on at the same time the power starts to come on, it makes it very difficult to drive. So so my Ute's actually really enjoyable drive because you can actually rev it all the way through the corner. So um, yeah, that's what we were doing today, and. Um, uh, getting practice, but um, what I've been doing, and just changing the subject a little bit slightly, by uh, driving with Jason Richards on the weekend, and, and probably much the same as what Charlie has learnt from Simon. Um, uh, the thing is, for, for Charlie and I, we have, um, for our New Zealand round, we were probably the only two drivers who didn't uh, just accept the, the money from the New Zealanders. We actually forfeited that, and uh, um, in my case, I actually had to pay for my driver. Um, and uh, I think Simon and uh, Charlie and I have benefited so much, and certainly in the results, and we were a bit unlucky getting the flat tyre. But uh, for the for the race, Charlie and I were both on the front row, and two South Australians on the front row with two sort of adopted South Australians driving with us, which was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And um, but personally, uh, I learnt so much from Simon. And uh, uh, as I was saying before, we we went on. Oh, Simon. Jason. Actually, I did, actually, I did learn something from Simon as well, yeah, right, which yeah. I'm, I'm not going to tell Charlie. I was, actually, I was actually watching Simon a couple of things, and I sort of picked up a couple of little things he did. And yeah, I learned a lot from Simon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I learned even more from Jason. Yes, you did. Yeah. Bloody Kiwis, they're all the And uh, so uh, I've really been trying to change my driving style, and um, uh, it's actually... I started going backwards yeah. in New Zealand yeah. by trying to change to... Jason's way of driving and so today when I was out there doing my 50 hot laps I'm, I was trying to adjust my driving style to suit the way that the uh, V8 supercar drivers drive so it was good practice for that. Rust! Rust! So, sorry viewers, so Rusty Sausage has gone mad. If it's the, not the uh, bloody milky in the bottle though, and the bloody now it's a dog. She's uh, she's had a she had, a, had the bath today, so she's turned oh, out to be right. a fluffy Audrey Hepburn. Okay, cool. <laughs> anyway, going going back. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Gary. It's uh, it's been fantastic. a big learning curve for uh, for Gary and I to have uh, Jason and Simon on board. 
and it's interesting to note that there is another perspective to uh, to our racing, which we may not have been exposed to before, or not had the opportunity to to be exposed to. And um, I'm I'm ever grateful to uh, to Simon for his for the way he conducts business. You know, it's it's um, sometimes we lose a little bit of focus. Sometimes we think that we where we are is where it is and where it's at, and uh, and that should be good enough. Well, it ain't, you know. And we need we need to make sure that we uh, we are on the front and we do what we have to do to be there. And uh, we sacrificed some stuff in the reverse grid race to make sure that we had a, a good car and a good a good package for uh, for the twenty for the twenty four lapper. And um, at the end of the day, I, I drive. I I. I like the setup that Simon's got. Simon runs well with the setup that we have. We can both drive around some problems that we may have incurred, and um, and it's worked out, worked out fantastic. So I, I have really no qualms. We Simon and I just worked out to be such a great package, and uh, and uh, and Gary and Jason obviously off uh, off the front row as well. Mate, the South Australians, we creamed them. We did. I'm glad you got that out. To Mate, uh, and that's good because uh, you're getting viewers, you're getting a perspective that uh, is uncensored. It's not coming from uh, a major television network. It's not coming from print that has to be uh, sort of edited out by the powers to be. It's just a raw conversation. Yeah, and uh, yeah. as I said before, I reckon Simon's been given a bit of a, a rough uh, rap. But it looks like you've turned the corner. So we'll see what's going on from, from, from here. <laughs> what are you going to say on the Nick show when I'm not here? So, well, what I'm going to say is like... <laughs> Simon, Simon and Clipsal. I'm going to say... Who said that? <laughs> be up with Glenn Cooper. Cooper stand with me. Hello, oh, Glenn. Knock, knock. <laughs> what I'd be, uh, what I'd be saying is like, uh, how come you didn't do any good in the in the in the holding yet? But was that because you were 50 horsepower down? Because the new uh, the new B, uh, BFs are coming online with the 5.4 series, wow. 5.4 engine. Where are we going to get parity, guys? Because we've got two holding uh, front rowers here. This will be bloody interesting, and I'm sure Gary will be sitting there just as eagerly as I am, waiting to see what these BFs are going to do. And the last thing you bloody will want to find out is you're going to get blown away at Clipsal. So we'll we'll be looking at it most stringently and finding out in practice sessions how the hell things are shaping up. But the thing is, the thing is that um, I think Charlie, I think you and I have been on the front row at Clipsal. I think oh, uh, mate, just about every year. Been. I think we have been. Um, Actually, you're right. Yeah. And um, it's uh, unlikely it, they're just going to come straight out of Les Small Stable and just be on the gas. Well, they're going to be supercars. I mean, they've got ear jacks and everything. <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's just, <laughs> just amazing. Like really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they, they have. They're they're incredible and. Uh, Mix the Canavics really happy, which is really <laughs> which is scary. <laughs> and, um, so, um, well, I can tell you that Mick actually has taken delivery of his car already, but it doesn't have any air jacks in how, it. How long has he had it? He's had it for a few days. He's just oh, running around enough. for my boy, and so, uh, and I'm so he uh, should have 500 horsepower by now. <laughs> um, I, actually, I'm not worried about him for Clipsal. Uh, I think um, out of the box, I'm just a little bit. I think little, out of the box, I'll be a little bit disadvantaged because. The Ford drivers are used to having cars that'll rev, and I've I've driven a couple of Ford Utes, and they're a lot. They feel a lot more like a racing car to drive. The Holdens are nicer to drive. Yeah, true. Like they're just nicer. They just the suspension just, particularly once you get past the apex, the the, the Holden is better, and up to the apex the Ford is yeah, better. Yeah, they turn in well, don't they? They turn in they really do. well. They're a lot better under brakes, and yeah. 
Uh, it's one of the arguments I've had um, with the, the association from day one and, and the fact that they, they, they're judging the parity on practice and qualifying. Where you can use the whole track. Yeah. And where the Holdens have really struggled is in a race situation, as soon as we have to hold a tight corner, we can't get out of a corner. We have no power, we have no revs, we have mm, yeah. nothing. And, and it's, it, the results are, are pretty obvious last year. That Ford's won seven of the nine rounds. And uh, to me, that's not right. I mean, the two rounds we won were uh, Kim Jane won Eastern Creek and, and I won Sandown. And that's it, the, the two tracks that have the big, long straights yeah. and the Fords win everything else. Uh, unless you can have a straight that's at least a kilometre long, we haven't got a hope. The good thing about it with the BF, they'll have, um, they'll have the same gearing as us. And I think the Ford drivers will absolutely fall in a heap. Oh, in that case, yeah. I didn't um, know if they're going to give them a bloody uh, diff ratio. Because, as Charlie will know, like through East Terrace in the Holden is bloody hard work. Yep, it is. It, it is, is hard work yep. through there. and um, uh, all, the know, all the point and squirt stuff for the f is, is definitely Ford territory. They've got yep. the res, they've got the gear ratios, they've got the diff ratios, and that's where they're good at. And the thing is, they're so good under brakes that they, yeah. they, you know, they pass you like, you, like you've... You just see this Ford go, you, know, you get someone, a demon breaker like Jack Ellsgood or, or Marcus, and they just outbreak you into a corner, and you go, Well, I can't do anything about yeah, it. There's just right. nothing I can do about it. They just yeah. fly past you and drive off. And you catch them down the straight, but there's no way in the world you can get them under brakes because we can't break like they can. No, we can't. So, you know, that's that's the thing. But um, uh, I think I think the BF will be uh, a, a, have a little bit of a downturn, I reckon. I think. If they give the BF the same horsepower as what we have, I think we'll beat them without too much trouble. The so figures that I have heard in the last couple of weeks is that they'll be jumping from 285 horsepower at the rear wheels to 335. Oh, I don't oh, know if oh, that is... Hold the force! <laughs> Hang on a second. 335? So, you well, know, for, apparently, uh, apparently the Kanga had Kanga's car had three no, four. No, 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 steady on, steady on. <laughs> That's just rumour. That's only rumour. <laughs> yes. Okay. But I agree with you. Yes. So uh, anyway, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm not worried. I think uh, I think once again Charlie and I will be on the front row, uh, and uh, now that Charlie's gone to uh, do a pit stop, um, Charlie is a very tough competitor and. Um, has certainly made it very difficult for me every year that I've had to start off next to him. Well, he's not the only person. Uh, you're not the only person who's making it difficult. Uh, he, uh, he, mate, he decided to give you the crappiest set of tyres in, yeah. uh, in New Zealand, Simon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a hidden agenda from him, I think. Yeah, we started off with, um, I think you're allowed to start with uh, two sets each or something like that, or yeah, two tyres each, or I can't really remember in qualifying, and then we decided to run the one set through the whole lot until we got to the main event so we had a good set there and um, unfortunately I was in the second group so I always got the, the rear end of the deal but I kept, kept oh, don't, sort of just don't feel bad Simon I did it to Jason as well yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used his I used his tyres for my rears for my reverse grid race and he spewed oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's lucky you weren't, weren't paired with, paired with uh, Ian McAllister because his, his, his big tip with the boys is oh don't you worry boys you know when they wear down they get like slicks and you get better traction yeah. So, um, yeah, well, that's yeah, that's good that Ian thinks that. <laughs> but the thing is, at least Jason he had to start. Yeah, he had the first race. Yeah. He was in the first group, yeah, he did, yeah. where I was always in the second one. And yeah, Charlie was a bit hard on me, but um, that's fair enough. I was sort of the co-driver. I'm used to getting that stuff as a co-driver. So <laughs> that's all good. So with the parity thing, 
they don't actually put two cars on the track, like don't go out to Malala the day before or something to, to do a direct comparison. Yeah, they just... I'm not sure exactly how they're doing it. Um, and you can't just use qualifying lap times. It, it's just not, it's just... You need to have the same driver jump in both. Exactly both right. Both the cars just take two cars out to Malala and just but run as, one But car. as you know, you'll have one car that'll, that'll perform a lot better in qualifying. I mean, Formula One teams will, will tell you. They'll have one car set up for qualifying and then have another car that's that's set up for racing. It's one car will be a better qualifier and one will be a better racing. At the end of the day, whichever car is better at racing is the one we want because, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's the results, that's the points, and that wins you the championship. You can put it on pole every every round, but if you don't if you don't win races, you're not going to get the points. You're not going to get that. And I think. Um, Oh, no, I thought I was going to say something that is a bit controversial about Oh, uh, please. Go on. Yeah, we heard it here first. Come <laughs> <laughs> on. I, I, I certainly feel... You don't love Ross Booth? I, Charlie's <laughs> on his way back. Get it out. I feel, quick, before Charlie gets here, um, I feel the, uh, the association is a little bit... Uh, um, favour the Fords a little bit uh, with Les Small. I mean, he's Les Small is a legend. Ford. Uh, he's a grumpy legend. <laughs> come on, come on, I can certainly tell you some stories of some phone calls I've heard Les having. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, as long as we're not knocking his engineering expertise. But, yeah, good. no, look, uh, Les Small is uh, like a fantastic engineer at getting, getting power out of Fords, and, and I think he has a little bit of blue blood in him. Um, and, uh, and I think those of us who have a bit of red blood in us. Um, do suffer a little bit, I, I feel. We haven't seen uh, much representation really from the manufacturers in the Ute series, like, you know, people coming along. You know, Ross Booth was there and now he's, he's retired and moved on to Nissan, as we reported last week, which I didn't see anybody from Holden or you, maybe you did, but uh, don't you think we should be sort of seeing a bit more of that? More of that? We don't even see him in supercars either. So. Well, from a board point of view, I can tell you that we uh, we spent a fair bit of time with um, with Ford and Holden at at regular intervals throughout the throughout the year at race meetings to discuss uh, you know, direction and future and and uh, and further involvement and some ideas. So they are they are relatively active. <coughs> um, we just need to be uh, from a good perspective. We just need to know whether they are involved or not, whether they are serious about selling utes or not. And if they are, well, this is a package of what, what to sell utes by. Yeah. I think our branding uh, branding awareness is going to be going through the roof this year, and um, I'm happy to be involved and be asked to, to do so again this year. So, uh, and, and Gary's point of view about two-door sports cars, they are. They are nothing but two-door sports cars. Have a, have a look at what's on the road nowadays. <laughs> Everybody's got a bloody ute. Mm. They all customise it and personalise it to suit themselves. They are two-door sports cars. They don't chuck the family in the back. They've got the four-wheel drive, what the bloody station they're going to do that with. But everybody buys a Ferrari. Ferrari. Speaking of Ferraris, <laughs> let's move on to more social areas of motorsport now that we've grilled you guys over your New Zealand yeah, adventures thanks, mate, and champion, yeah. what's going on. Duncan, you've had a lot of fun in, uh, in Ferraris, especially old ones in Classic Adelaide. You, you're, no, you're no stranger to it, running uh, fat bastard racing. No, no, I've had a, a ball of a time. I uh, lost a few. But you always... <laughs> <laughs> lost a few, what, Ferraris? <laughs> yeah, ball. can never afford to have one. <laughs> always going to have oh, two. No. Even the internationals that come over, they always going to have a two. Because they know they're going to lose one. <laughs> Gary, you've had a go, haven't you, in Classic? 
I have. Classic Adelaide is absolutely fantastic. It is is one of the best events. Um, and, uh, and and as I was telling you earlier, I, I said to my co-driver on the first one I did, and just it's the most dangerous thing you've ever done, like doing 200 kilometres an hour through the Adelaide Hills. Um, but boy, if you get through that corner without hitting a tree, it is so exhilarating. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I remember one time we... Uh, we were, we were coming down this straight and it just had this huge run down to the, to the finish line of this stage and we were just watching the, the um, it wasn't the Motec but the timer which had the speed on it and it's just going 200, 210, 215 and we are flying in this VB Commodore, VC Commodore, flying down this hill through the, through the end of the stage and it's just absolutely fantastic. Isn't it, isn't it great? I, I, and I can't relate to the Classic Adelaide because you do so many different stages. In uh, uh, in relation to the Mount Buller Sprint, you know, it's like eight or nine minutes to the top of the mountain. There's 144 corners, and it rises 2,000 feet. And there's 2,000 feet down the left-hand side, down, <laughs> and there's 2,000 feet up on the right-hand side. So you're either going to hit the wall or spear out probably 50 or 60 metres or 100 metres. Or end up back at the start line. And land, <laughs> <laughs> and land down 2,000 feet. And, and we, can all, we can all recall reasons why we shouldn't be here, but... And one of the sections of Mount Buller Sprint there was left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. Four of them. And and when you carry the wheel over the over the embankment, which is 2,000 feet down, and you're picking up the wheel on the other side, which is 2,000 feet up, and you do that left, right, left, right, left, right, it's nearly a straight line. If you can straight line as the best you can, it'd be fantastic. But the only way to do that was to carry the wheel. <laughs> and I remember, okay, I said, this is going to be exciting. And uh, my navigator... He bailed out after the first day. He said, "I can't do this. This is just—I'm going to die, or I'm going to—I'm going to get sick." So he bailed out, and my young bloke, young Charlie, decided to come with me. And he was—we did the recce a couple of times with with both of them, so they were okay. They all had post notes. But when I—when you're carrying the two left-hand wheels over a 2,000 feet drop and trying to strike on the corner, and you're hard on the gas, and it's 100—it's a uh, 145 or 150 k's in uh, in third gear. That's a shit car. It's happened. We had a different ECU in the car. We took the ute to Mount Buller and uh, definitely see the car and it's so damn fast and so damn good that this is the way it should be, mm. as you, as you yeah. no, no doubt know. You know, you've got a good ute with a lot of power and six two on board, you can drive the ring out of it, so it's fantastic. But, oh, I said, this is, this is, and every every day we're getting faster and faster and we've got to the stage where we only had to pick up a few seconds and we're going to be in the top ten or top nine or something. I said, we're going to have to go for this section because this is what it's all about. <laughs> because my, my navigator has gone from the passenger seat into the driver's seat while we're carrying the body wheels over the left hand drop and he's gone back to the east side so it really is exciting and I'm hey, like Charlie, that. you should make him wear Yeah, that's right, make him wear <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Gary, yeah And if there's ever a, ever a tip I can, I can give you about that event mate is drive the middle of the road because when you're running exactly, the trouble yeah. you need every little bit of either side to sort yeah. of Otherwise, you're running on the edge. Like, you know, that stuff is just so, so that is, that is. And I've got to say, it's not so bad when you're driving, but if you're navigating, uh, you look forward to chicanes to slow you down. To slow you yeah. down, yes, yes. My God. Yeah. Have you navigated? Oh, yeah. some both, yeah. yeah. Oh, good Did you ever lose your, lose your place? Uh, no, uh, no, we've gone out through uh, Ferrari era, um, but no, other fat bastards. We've got five in the team. Yeah. Um, we've lost a... A ragtop V12 Jag. Oh, shit, sorry. Which is the. <laughs> 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 we 
which is fantastic car. But if you can imagine a hallway of 200 metres long and pushing an ensemble down there on casters, <laughs> it's like bouncing, off, bouncing off the walls. That's oh, what no. driving the Jag was like. So. Well, I remember an XJC1 Bathurst. No, I'm talking uh, E-Type. E-Type. Oh, the E-type. long nose of XJC1. Yeah, you're talking about Tom Morgan Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, but yeah, different horses, different courses. Great looking car, but just don't handle too well. Yeah, yeah, uh, we um, had an overheat on a high tension coil last year, but uh, just whizzed down to Adelaide, pulled one off another Ferrari, stick yeah. it in, and we met up at um, Handorf and caught up with the crowd, and no, back in it again. Good. Good. Change over. It is a sensational event. Mm. Look, I'd like to get you, your guy, you guys um, some ideas from you about um, how the media is, is going in the 2006. It's sort of changing. The, we've seen the passing of an icon with, with Kerry Packer, and as a result, maybe um, some decisions can be made by people in that network that would be um, you know, <laughs> easier to be made. You can have all the autonomy to run the place until I make my decision. That would be what Kerry would say. So um, you're seeing the emergence of new media mechanisms, much like what you're seeing here today, the delivering on iTunes and, and you know, our freedom of speech. People have been able to put video onto their iPod and, and all sorts of devices. How do you see the landscape of media reporting for sport, not specifically motorsport in, in, in general, um, how do you see that changing? And I might start with Duncan. Well, you're going to get the true story, I think. Uh, I believe you'll get a um, everyone's gripe, um, honestly, as opposed to filtered. suppressed Some and fabric. filtered through whether it be yeah. your sponsor or. What we need to do is make sure that we are telling that story, but also keep the branding alignment correct. And, and we, we have specifically started this with a no commercial sponsorship arrangement because we wanted to sort of get an audience and just find out what people wanted. We didn't want to be tied to anyone saying, hey, this is by Motorola and this is by, you know, yeah, like, um, you know, product A, B or C. But um, inevitably, as, the, as you become popular, your, your server charges go through the roof, you are going to have to align with some sort of supplier. So it's about us managing that. But uh, just going on. What do you think, Simon? Oh, geez. Well, yeah, obviously, I suppose, a bit, another mosquito. Uh, it's really um, media, uh, as I've sort of seen it of late. You know, you've got to get more and more shocking with things to sort of keep people a bit more interested and if you can sort of get more access to everybody like it seems to be going now it's it's going to develop that sort of relationship with all the uh, drivers in our sport or any other sport you know if you can get right in there it's um, a good thing and uh, I suppose also with it being easier for people to just be able to get, uh, get a hold of all this um, media side of things as well which like you know just going on iTunes I think you know anyone who's got the internet can just get it straight away so yeah, it's a good thing, but it's yeah, just ever changing. You always think you're going to run out of more and more things to do, but yeah, they they just keep coming up with new ideas, and um, yeah, it's a good thing. Just hopefully they don't take it too far and really invade your personal space. Would it be fair to say that the media delivery has been fairly structured up until now? That it was either a couple of magazines or um, maybe a tiny bit of radio and a television network which provided it. 
Yeah, I, I suppose um, it was reasonably structured, a bit like, yeah, there's plenty of scope to go on now. Um, yeah, it, it's, there's only been a couple of different sort of outlets where um, now it's just going to be open for anybody to be able to get involved into it, and um, uh, hopefully it's policed quite well. But, um, you know, it, yeah, it's sort of exciting time, so hopefully it will come out really well. Gary? Yeah, I pretty well agree with Simon, 100% really. It's, um, it, it's, it's really a bit of suck and see because yeah. it's, it's just changing so fast that you, you're really flat out keeping up with it anyway. But I think um, it, it, in some ways it's got to be for the better. You know, you can, information is just so much easier to, to, to get if you want to find out about something. It's, it's there all the, at your fingertips, straight on the computer, and um, uh, you can pretty well find out whatever you want, whenever you want, uh, from one means or another. And, uh, but like Simon said, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it could very easily, and I think it's getting very close now to invading your personal, personal space and people can quite easily find things, mm, find out things yeah. about you that, uh, you may not want them to know. Well, you may or may not want to let them, let them know on, on days like today, and if this becomes, you know, a, a bigger issue and, and other companies get involved in doing this sort of thing, they'll find a little bit more about Simon or Gary or Charlie that they that we wouldn't normally let them know, and and we got no qualms about that. But 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 just got to be careful about how it's been used and what it's been used for. I, I probably need to ask Simon: is, Do you need <coughs> do you need the the Mark Scaife waving his fixed fist at um, at Russell Engel. Do you need Russell turning into Mark? Oh yeah. Do you need that sort of? Yeah, you need that. You need it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Much so do you, yeah. do you pay the ten thousand dollars yeah. to yeah. get that publicity? Yeah. Well, it sort of seems to be. You pretty sort good, of just it? about got it, don't you? Yeah. yeah. No, I think I think that was all great. I think that's fantastic. Um, uh, I think Longhurst, who, who did he punch back? back Paul Morris. Paul Morris. Paul Morris. Yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. I think anyone that punches Paul Morris, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, look, 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 Paul Morris is a good, good friend of mine. I think he's the most arrogant prick you've ever come across. But, um, no, I think that's all good. That's all good for motorsport. Um, was it Nigel Mansell, I think? Yes, it did yes, it back that's right, yep. In, in Formula One as well. That's that shock value, though. You know, it's all becoming it's a bit too sanitised, isn't it? Like, yeah. For various reasons we've been talking about. And I think the, the, the Murphy, Salazar the and Murphy Nelson Ambrose, Pariquet, you know. Like, the Murphy so. Ambrose thing, that's all good stuff. Yeah. But the thing that's but, annoying is, like, you know, when we're on the radios and, the, you know, the TV stations... Oh, no, they scan it, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah and, um, you know, you hear a thing like, oh, you've got to come in for a drive-through because you're punting so-and-so, but yeah. you know... Yourself as a driver, you feel it was a different situation. Immediately, you get back and you swear away, yeah. and then suddenly you get told at driver's briefing, you know, that's a big no-no and you can't do that. Or well, have you got a balaclava on and uh, yeah, well, yeah, where's your balaclava? You know, yeah, we've, we've talked about this before, but it's but it's right in your face. It's right in your face. There isn't much right of reply for drivers or, or, or team that, members or any, yeah. you know. And we saw what what happened there with. Um, with Craig Lances to uh, team boss, you know, so mm. you know, <laughs> about at uh, at Phillip Island in that last round yeah, there, yeah. and uh, he saw bloody, bloody management. Um, it's disappointing, I suppose, that it comes to events like that that actually brings it into the mainstream media. You know, the, you, know you, you almost search like through a Sydney Morning Herald or an Australian, like after a yeah. major weekend yeah. round, you go, there's just nothing there. Yeah. But when there's something sensational like that, like someone getting a biff in the face, or you yeah. know, something which is 
out of the ordinary for the sport, well, you get the exposure. Well, Slander. It takes that sort of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah oh, that's right. I, I remember when we were racing Charlie at um, Simmons Plains, and uh, it was the first meeting, I think, after Bathurst where uh, Murphy and Ambrose had their coming together. And um, personally, my opinion was that it was about 50-50, and, yeah. and I'm happy to leave it at that. Yeah. But I remember standing on the end of the pit straight next to a whole bunch of people that every time Murphy came round, they booed him. And, uh, and I, I just thought, you know, apart from the, the fact he didn't know anyway because he was busy driving, I think that's fantastic that they even cared. Yeah. I think yes. that's, that's, yeah. that's great. And, uh, and I guess like they say in... Um, in business, you know, any advertising is, yeah. is good advertising. Yeah. And it's, good it's, the perfect, yeah. uh, it's the perfect marketing combination, isn't it? It's a 51-49% rule, and it, the scales swing from one side to the other. It wasn't so long, long ago, like, you know, the holders were winning everything, and no one would ever think And that will happen again, thing. don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Well done. It's a good combination. How many of you guys like uh, use computers on a daily basis? Do you get your information from? Got one in my pocket. <laughs> do you use? Yeah, same with me. Yeah, yeah. same with me. Yeah, yeah. we're just flat out on computers. Do you do uh, email over your mobile phones? Yep. Yep. You do. And how do you find the data charges for that? Are you a bit shocked at the end of the month sometimes? <laughs> well, I'm lucky I've got a free carrier? plan, so <laughs> <laughs> i got a sponsor. <laughs> Viewers, we've found our first commercial partner. Let me tell you, I have the best steak for you tonight. <laughs> Actually, I'm not kidding. Yeah, you're right. Um, look, um, just a couple of little techie things that uh, I thought I'd bring all the viewers up to up to, to speed with, and I, for those of you who are not to uh, fay with the, the Apple uh, industry, uh, we've seen Apple bring out the Apple iPod a few years ago, and now today we think we've got uh, over uh, six, uh, 600, 700 million iTunes clients and 65 Good. million um, iPod users. But that uh, brand awareness has actually allowed uh, Apple to further its, its brand. And, and, and move into the home market. That's what's called the halo effect, and people have gone, well, if this is a good product that Apple makes, well, I wonder what they make you know, yeah. in the home market. Yeah. Yeah. And recently, um, uh, Steve Jobs announced that uh, the, uh, the boss of Apple uh, announced that they would be moving the, the Apple technology from uh, um, IBM to the uh, Intel chipset. Yes, yes. And, and how good is that? Lots of publicity about that. That's right, and uh, they released a, a new Apple MacBook Pro, which was to ship just this week. Yep. Um, there was a, a press release uh, sent out to uh, people this week who had ordered it, saying we're really sorry that the product has been delayed, but uh, we are going to speed bump the product even sure. before we've delivered it. So those who are looking for their 1.67s end up with... 1.83 gigahertz machines. <laughs> Everyone's getting faster machines, so you know that, that 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 that's pretty good. What what's more interesting on top of that is that a small development group called Maxis um, today released some preliminary patches, which will allow you to run the Mac OS operating system on Intel-based PCs, oh, not branded by Apple. Oh, so you can okay. start to see the uh, the have the pervasiveness of the Apple yeah. operating system, Mac OS ten. So there you yes. go, Simon. I you, love the you, Macs. You and your yep. buddy Mac stuff, and I'll... Uh, I'll well, I've got them. three Mac computers at the moment, and I'm about to get a fourth, so <laughs> yep. I just can't help myself. 
Well, uh, Simon, I can give you a little bit of advice on that if you... Um, <laughs> if you uh, a good mate of mine owns the Apple Centre in town and he gets us really good data rates on Facebook. Um, uh, the, there are a few issues with the new Intel-based machines and then that um, if you don't have a, pro a, a program which has been recompiled to run on that chipset, uh, the performance is relatively um, uh, slow oh, to what it should be. Now, that doesn't mean that the program is, is the application is bad. Yeah, yeah. They are now run, they run through emulation through a, a piece of software that Apple provided called Rosetta. Apple produces a whole lot of i-applications like iPhoto and yes, iMovie yes. and iDVD and iTunes and they work very well and they are all optimised to run on this new chipset. But if you're like a heavy Photoshop user or you're a web user or you're doing FileMaker Pro database stuff, it's well worth waiting for the applications to become native to the oh, new yeah, chipset. Yeah, yeah. Um, they released Apple 10.4.5 uh, today, which fixes a, a, a few few bugs. But my big tip would be <laughs> that when you come to uh, 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 NAB, the National uh, Association of Broadcasts in Las Vegas, in uh, the 24th of April, you'll see replacement machines for the, uh, the, the professional publishing in video editing environment, and that's the time to buy viewers. Replacement machines. What time was that, sorry? 24th, 24th to the 27th of April at the Las April. Vegas Convention yeah. Centre. Yeah, okay. So I better go to Vegas, yeah. <laughs> are, we, are we racing in <laughs> Sounds Vegas? Sounds like a good, um, yeah, <laughs> well, a good reason. Well, actually, Radio Hotlap yeah. will be sh flying you over there. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that, that, that's where we're at with things. So, um, oh, I fantastic. Yep. That's yeah, pretty handy for myself because I'm actually setting up a design and print company and... Um, all the printers will only really run on the PC-based sort of stuff, where um, yeah, you, know, you obviously do all your design yeah. on yes. the apples, and uh, now being able to cross-pollinate or yeah, you exactly. say it, yeah, no, I can no actually get away with using these new computers. Well, Simon, there. you know well enough that if you just uh, you don't, it doesn't really matter what they what they're doing, so long as you just send them a high-resolution PDF. You know, the legality <laughs> yeah, yeah. of font transfers like <laughs> is is, uh, is out of the way, and you, you you know they can't edit the file, so you can't really go wrong. Yep. So that's yeah. great to hear you doing that. I wish you well in that. And, well, uh, Simon's a real whiz kid in this sort of shit, I think, and me, he's uh, he's really switch on with the Apple stuff and obviously we've been Apple supporter for a hell of a long time and, um, and, and my daughter's doing graphic design as well so anybody who does design work obviously works in Apple stuff and, uh, and um, yeah, it's the way to go it, it's the only way to go yeah, yeah. now Intel working with uh, with Apple with Mac now is going to be uh, it's going to be great I think it's going to be a bit more of a broader horizon and more perspective yeah I think so I mean just you know looking at it from from what what the, the marketing sends out to the public, it's just buy a new machine. But for you and I in the professional um, publishing environment, really now is not quite the time to buy, just uh, a little bit of a time to wait. So then we've got to change from a G4 to a G5? Well, G5, will, the G5. Way, they won't call it the G6 because yeah. the G, G name, I think, is owned yeah. by IBM. Yeah. Okay. And the GD40 we won't talk about. <laughs> no, we won't talk about Rob Shiro. Oh, the F40, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Well, there you go. Boys and girls, thanks for making time today and, uh, and joining us for episode 18. Are we stopping for a break and then coming back later on? Oh, if you like, Charlie. <laughs> we can do that, no worries. If you get your, get a bit, your tongues a little bit redder after a few wines and a beer. And uh, I thought I'd leave the note, uh, leave tonight on, on a note of what is the most expensive pair of sunglasses you could lose? 
because you can't lose cheap ones. I've found that $10 ones, I put them down, people come rushing back to me and go, here, you left your sunnies. That is funny you say that. <laughs> I bought this pair from Queensland about three years ago and it cost me $11 for a pharmacy. They didn't have a trophy when you won the Queensland 500, you just got those cheap sunglasses. Uh, anyway, today uh, Oakley has upgrade, upgraded oh, their but The Oakley glasses there, they are thump two now with one gigabyte of storage on there. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's a lot of songs and a lot of sunglass to lose, $500. So, uh, oh, I've got a bit of clips in your ear. Yeah, oh, yeah, they look, they look awful. Yeah, so how long does the um, battery MP3. last? What, two songs? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Probably oh, well, the, last, yeah. the second owner will still have battery life. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so I'm mean, expecting to uh, have three or four days on our desk next week. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll work on it. And the other, yeah. the other little goodie I just saw for the week before we signed off was was a piece of wood that looks like a piece of wood. Yeah, look at that. It's just a piece look of wood, you know. But when it uh, gets a little bit of energy, it turns into a nice little clock that looks like a. Who makes that? Oh, some people in the, in the UK, it's a, don't worry about it, it's 99 pounds, it's just a clock. Are they a sponsor? Of the Radio Hot Labs? Firebox.com. Oh, okay, you'll find that there. We should, we should oh, how, much, how much are those Oakley sunglasses? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so bucks. Are they bucks? <laughs> you know, it'll look really good with sage there. Yeah. Actually, five hundred bucks is pretty cheap if you if you look at an iPod plus a pair of Oakley sunglasses. But my point is, you'll oh. lose it all in one hit. Well, you could print like all the music with the stuff. You know? yeah. Yeah. Make a lot of taxi drivers happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be difficult to get in under the helmet Plenty as well. Yeah. I reckon that'd be really suspicious. Imagine wearing those around. You've got this this earpiece into your sunglasses. Oh. People are thinking, oh, this this bloke is. He's suspicious. He's, he's obviously CIA or something. <laughs> oh, one other final thing. 46-year-old um, Gerhard Berg has uh, come back into motorsport even further than, than after he'd retired. He ended up becoming the, the BMW motorsport director, but he's bought 50% of the Toro Rosso company from uh, Dietrich Matich, the, the Red oh, Bull boss. Yeah, yeah so, unfortunately uh, he bit me to it. Yeah, I was, I was looking at it. But. <laughs> They've been mates for 20 years. They, yeah, you know, they're awesome. How many people live in Austria? Not many. <laughs> anyway, you can't keep a good man down from uh, selling someone else. Wasn't that, that was the uh, Minardi team. Um, Red Bull yes. bought the Minardi yes, team, and uh, now Gerhard bought uh, the Minardi team, yes. Basically. So it must have been a good price, because you probably... You've got it for nothing, so it doesn't matter, yeah. 50% of nothing. It's a development series, you know, like, we'll put new drivers in there, see how good they go, and if they've got some money, we'll go racing. Yeah. Thank you, viewers. Good night, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> good night, John. Thank you. Good night, Gary. Thanks night, for making it. Thank you. Thank you, Simon, for turning up. Great. Thank you. Fat bastard. Thank you, and here end us a lesson. And thank you, Kate, for looking after us with drinks. And thank you, Rusty Sausage. Night, everyone. Rusty Sausage. Well done.